Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week, we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is What's Your Beef? Today we're speaking with Mark Peart. He's the CEO and founder of DIT Technologies Australia, experts in livestock water supplementation and agricultural technology. Hello, Mark. G'day, Jane. How are you today? Oh, look, fine. Thanks. We are here, obviously, to talk about beef, but, you know, with beef is more than just what's on your plate. How, how does DIT Technologies play into to our conversation today? Well, I suppose my, my up. My upbringing myself has been predominantly in the beef sector. I've been involved in the sector for many years. Like most young fellows, I went to Ag College and then went north ringing and got into helicopter mustering. And I was a helicopter pilot for nearly 20 years in northern Australia and contract mustering. And that's where my, my love for the beef industry in the north first came about. Um, and DIT was really, had always been in the back of my mind or some sort of a business that I could bring immense value and, and change the way we do things in, in the beef industry. And as I've progressed my career, um, the, the idea has formed into what it is today. What, what is it today? So when you say DIT, I'm, I'm sorry, but DIT doesn't give me too much about what, what, what it is. So yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's fine. And look, look, I suppose you could say in, in a really easy way, DIT is a, is, an, is a livestock technology and animal health business. Um, we manufacture IoT devices or Internet of Thing um, devices that proportionally measure water flow that livestock drink, and then we proportionally supplement uh, urea and phosphorus and trace elements in the water. And we also manufacture other IoT devices, being remote cameras and tank monitors. All of and all of our devices are hooked up to our own remote monitoring platform called UC. It's a very technologically uh, sound system, isn't it? It's got a lot of different facets there. You said it was always in the back of your mind, though, when you were doing these other things. So what did you see that really um, made you come up with this idea or inspired it? I think what inspired me was, like, you know, anyway, I'm a, I don't like the word. You know, we don't use it a lot in Australia, but, you know, I've, I've come to realise that it's my personality. I am an entrepreneur at heart. And really early on in my life, from a business career, I was always thinking about big ideas, things that could completely change the way we do things. And being involved in the beef industry and also I've been interested in tech, and I'm really interested in, in ag tech and, and the opportunities that ag tech holds for, for the beef industry and for the broader agricultural markets, the opportunity to disrupt the way we're doing things. More importantly, probably the biggest metric as a business that we look at is, um, you know, by 2050, there'll be 10 billion people on the planet and every farmer on, on the planet will need to increase production by 60%. So I get around the bush a lot. And when I ask farmers, I said, you know, in the next 20 or 30 years, how do you think you could increase the production of your land by 60%? And most people just look at you, eyes glaze over because they can't even imagine how they, it's tough enough in the bush as it is. So really DIT was a, is an opportunity for me to help farmers and my team here help farmers to increase our production to feed a global population. You mentioned ag tech there as a concept, and I guess it is a bit of a buzzword of the last few years, but it encompasses a lot. So what does ag tech mean for you? Yeah, well, you know, ag tech to me is, is using technology and innovation to, to, to increase production and in, enhance agriculture in some form. 
ag tech is a really important concept in society because if you look at the previous tech disruption that's been on in society in the last 20 years, it's all been around smartphones and social media. And all it's really done is provided convenience for us and entertainment. Whereas ag tech's about something a lot more. It's about really the collective survival of humanity because we need to increase more food. There's never been a more exciting time for agriculture than what there is today. But the actual um, difficulties we, we're going to have in the coming decades in trying to grow enough food are huge. And I suppose I'm inspired as a as a leader in DIT and with the team to try to find ways that we can produce more food for an increased population. As someone sort of from outside the ag tech sphere, it, it, there is a lot going on at the moment and it seems to be overly competitive, but everyone seems to have their own space. Like you don't hear about it too much of, of butting heads or anything like that. From the inside, is it as collaborative as it looks? I actually think ag tech's a frontier. You know, we've got a, we've got a footprint across the whole of Australia. We've got technicians on the ground every day. You know, even now there's guys in the Territory in Western Australia, Victoria, everywhere. And I'll be honest with you, there's no competition out there. There's lots of ag tech startups in the cities trying to do funky things. But I think the problem with agriculture is that there's no it's, – it's really difficult to get the farm into community to adopt technology if there's no problem. We've taken a different tack in DIT. What we've said is let's identify the problems and let's find ways to solve the problem or do things better. Water supplementing was, was a perfect thing for us to disrupt really quickly and grow our revenues because we all, everyone in the bush knows about animal supplement. We all put out lick blocks. We all put out bag supplements. But it's the most Neanderthal thing that we do in the bush. We've got great genetics and we're spending money on water infrastructure and, you know, we're building great animal handling facilities. But as an industry, we've just accepted to put a bag on the ground. We don't know how much supplement our animals are getting. There's wastage and we've accepted it. So that was probably a really easy one for us as a business to try to solve. So that's what I think ag tech's about. Ag tech is about finding proper problems that are in the bush and finding ways to solve them. And then as a business, you need to monetize it because if you can't monetize these problems, they'll never become commercial. So it's just difficult. There's no two ways about it. Hardware is a really hard tech industry to crack. It's a lot harder than just writing software and putting it on an app. Um, what we do is, is a bit of both. But getting hardware out into the bush is really difficult. When you know, you're focusing on water supplementation, as you said, uh, that strikes me as being in northern Australia, a significant problem in northern Australia. What's the uptake been like you know, in this part, in this neck of the woods, but further afield as well? Look, it's um, well. First of all, it's it's got applications across the whole of Australia. We, we did see until the you know recent pandemic that's come through. We had we're having great um, growth in southern Australia, putting supplements into the water down there, especially trace elements and phosphorus and you know uh, protein urea products. But northern Australia has been where most of our uptake is because. They're really big users of supplementing up there. Urea, everyone knows what a lick block is. Everyone knows what a bag bag lick is. All we really have to do is to show them that there's a, there's a more efficient way of delivering it and um, using tech and innovation. There's a lot of chemistry innovation in, in our business. As much as there's tech innovation, there's a lot of chemistry innovation in the way we can put urea and phosphorus in the water and we can keep it in suspension now and we can pump it hundreds of kilometres through poly pipe and we can store it in tanks for months on end. So that was 
that was a big game changer for water supplementing, not just the, the tech side, the hardware and the software side, but the chemistry innovation. So how, you know, you've had this idea, it's been kicking around for quite a while. What you've just listed is, is a lot of different skill sets and um, expertise. So how do, you, how do you go about, you know, making this a reality and bringing it to life? Because that's a lot of people and expertise involved. I suppose that's the that's that's my skill set. You know, I'm not the smartest person in DIT. We've got a lot of really smart young people and people who are you know experts in their field. I'm purely just the coach as the CEO. I'm the coach. I'm just coaching all the people who work here to solve problems and to work on how we're going to innovate. Everything from finance to marketing to software to electronic manufacturing and our hardware, our telemetry platform. So yeah, it's it is challenging. It's, Starting a startup is really, really difficult. There's so many facets to it. It's not for the faint-hearted. And as someone said the other day, it's a really, really rough road starting up an ag tech business. And not all of us were born to be radio writers. <laughs> That's a great analogy. But I guess I want to come back to some of the more technical issues, but we're down this path at the moment. But I understand you were the, the first ag company in Australia to raise capital through crowdfunding too. We were. So that would have been a whole different kettle of fish when you started started on that what was the what was the reaction um well everyone thought we were crazy everyone thought we were doing a gofundme page but equity crowdfunding or crowdsource funding had only just been legislated uh through parliament and then through ASIC. so we were one of the first well we were the first ag tech company in australia and probably probably one of the only that i know of at the moment that did equity crowdfund but equity crowdfunding has been a great thing for our business it's been an opportunity for everyday Australians to be early stage investors in our growth, you know, and it's all about, it's about storytelling and people understanding about our, our vision and our dream for the business and then looking at, okay, who are the people behind it? Can they execute this? And we're overwhelmed with the amount of everyday Aussies that um, have invested in our business so far. Why is it important to have that sort of broad uh, range of, of support then when you've got a startup and you're not really sure where it's going to go yet? Because, well, first of all, it's a great way to access capital. You know, if you're trying to access capital through um, family offices or private equity firms or venture capital firms, it can be really difficult. And you can give away a lot of your equity early on to corporates who probably don't have the same agility as your own team or they don't think the same as, as an entrepreneur, I suppose. Um, whereas this way we were, it wasn't about having more control. It was probably having people that believed in our vision early on, and we've matured a lot, you know, in 12 months since then, our, our revenues in two years have increased 1,200% in two years. So our shareholders could see that we were doing something right. Um, and it was an opportunity in equity crowdfunding with all the disclosures for them to meet all of us and what we're about. Where do you see your technology having the greatest impact with what you've got at the moment? Oh, look, I think, I think supplementation is a huge opportunity for the beef industry in Australia. Like, like getting our nutrition right. The problem, we've never been able to get our nutrition right is because we've never been able to measure it. And when you can't measure something, you can't manage it. We've got an opportunity now to feed urea and phosphorus and other trace elements to exactly the right amount per animal, per head, per day. And we can do it at scale and we can use it with technology that's set and forget. Just sorry, how do you, how do you get that measurement though? So I'm assuming, you know, when you said... Or everyone puts the lick on the ground and you don't really know how much they're eating, but then how are you sure that every beast is drinking as much as you think they are? 
Well, because that's the beauty of the algorithm. So we measure water flow. Okay. So we measure the amount of water that the animals drink, and then our algorithms can work out body weight. And when we can work out this in ruminant animals, there's a proportion between drinking and body weight. So that actual formulation is core to our algorithms that drive our doses. We can then work out what the weight of the animals are, and then we can inject the supplements proportional to their body weight. What have been some of the, the little grievances that you've had to iron out in these early stages i'm assuming you did, you didn't launch perfectly or maybe you did but you know what what were some of the issues <laughs> we're, still, we're, <laughs> we're still having issues look water supplementing has been around for a long time Jane. yeah and and it's been it's been something that people have been trying to solve for a long time and do it at scale there was great results you know 20 years ago but it was cottage industry and you nearly had to sleep beside the doses 24 7 a day to make sure they work reliably. But it's just been advances in, as I said earlier, advances in software and hardware, telemetry um, and chemistry innovation that's allowed us to get to here. But no, we've had we've had insurmountable problems every day. In a startup, there's problems. In fact, not every day. You know, it's every 30 minutes there's something else going wrong. But I suppose that's what gets you out of bed every day. It's not easy. It's not for the faint-hearted. Well, and this isn't your first business. Haven't you, haven't you started over 20 businesses too? That's... It's an incredible amount of energy and problem solving. I have. I've <laughs> had some great successes and I've had some terrible losses and I've, um, I'm not saying any of that's been easy, but, yeah, it's been a, been a journey to here. And I suppose as I've got older, I've probably realised that it's been accumulation of a lot of different skill sets and businesses and things I've tried that has got me to DIT now. And it's probably the most passionate business I've ever been involved with and one that I feel that myself and our team can make a huge difference to the beef industry in time and of course for our investors you know we've got we've got global ambitions um we're looking at other ways to expand we've got some great ideas with some other tech to bring to the industry and ways but yeah it's a lot of work it takes a lot of energy yeah absolutely now you um obviously dit is, is about water supplementation but you did mention before um a little about uh water monitoring and and that how how have you found that? Because that's been around for a while too, monitoring, remote monitoring of water points. Yes, yeah, so, so we we purchased a business about 12 months ago that was that had done a lot of water monitoring. Um, and water monitoring is, is really, there's a few competitors in it. It's a lily, it's, it's basically another value proposition or something you've got to have in your toolbox when you're talking to graziers. Um, everyone knows about it. We were really interested in the telemetry platform that drove those uh, water devices and monitoring devices because all of a sudden when we had this platform, we could then use that telemetry to drive our doses and then we could get more data out of all of the all of the devices. I suppose longer term we see data as a big part of our business, but right now we're trying to get the footprint of the IoT devices around Australia and then we can we collect a lot of data now, but right now we're only just warehousing it. In time, we'll start analysing and we'll write software programs to hopefully in time be able to produce predictive intelligence and um, help graziers and farmers make other decisions on their land with the use of a smartphone or a computer. Well, I think that's one of the great challenges of all time, isn't it, is the correct or practical uses or applications of data. I think farmers and graziers have... a an insubordinate amount, a huge amount of data available on any number of, of fronts at all time, but we don't use it properly. No, that's that's right. And and then how do we collect all this data? How do we store it? How do we um, analyze it, it correctly? Like yes, we, mm. exactly. 
Yep. How do we understand it? And then how do we use that data to make decisions within our businesses? Well, I'll be interested to see what else you can come up with in that space because I think that's one of the great, greater challenges going forward. What are your thoughts on the future of food security and sustainable agricultural practices? Because I guess a lot of what you're doing is, is making life easier for those on the land. It's a really good question. It's probably something that, you know, I, I do worry a bit about. I worry about food security. I worry about agriculture and what it's going to look like in 20 or 30 years' time. Uh, I think Australia, and especially Australian beef industry, we've got a tremendous opportunity to, to fill a niche in the food chain globally. Uh, what that looks like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's so disruptive, the meat game at the moment with these plant-based meats and lab-grown meats. There's so many things that could disrupt the industry. But I think what is important, the most important things I see and what we need to do at DIT is, one, we need to we need to keep farming productive. We need to keep farmers farming. We need to um, allow them to produce more food on their properties. But at the same time, we need to do this sustainably. We need to be continuously enhancing animal welfare and we need to do it at scale. And it's not because we need to do it. Society is asking agriculture to find ways to be more sustainable every day. Society is asking cattle producers and other livestock producers to be to enhance animal welfare all the time. And I and I think that there is a disconnect in metropolitan areas and farming because I, I believe that the farmers are the greatest uh, promoters of animal welfare. You know, they look after their animals as just like their normal family. But I don't think the vast people in society understand that. So I think we've got some big work to try to connect agriculture back into mainstream population and, and all get on the same page and know that we're all about food security and how we're going to feed this rising population. I, th I think it's a bigger problem, food security, than global warming, to be honest, but we never talk about it. Well, so why, why is that? Is that? But is that on, you know, should our... Um industry bodies be being more on the front foot about that or is that up to you know mum and dad um, property owners and, and managers to to be sharing in stories at an individual level to try to communicate that better yeah James a real that now that's another thing you know, I don't want to get to what my own beliefs are but I think that I think we do so many things really good in agriculture but something we do really poorly I believe is our marketing of our industry mm. most of our marketing is focused on other producers, we're, we're preaching to the converted. One of the reasons why I think these vegan movements and um, animal liberation movements are getting so much traction is because they're so good at their marketing, they're so good at their messaging, they're so good at connecting to the general population. If there was ever an opportunity that we have, we need to be better at connecting with the general population. Who should do it? Well, you know, we pay levies, industry should. But I think there's a or some young person needs to invent a PR company that can help the industry do it because I think there's a huge opportunity there. Maybe or, that's just another business you could start, Mark. I feel yeah, like that's I, it. <laughs> I probably could if I could find the right person. I might give them some ideas. But I think we, we, we could – it's a big opportunity to connect. And I'll I tell you why I, I say this is because when we equity crowdfund, everyone thought we were mad. Everyone thought, oh, you know, why aren't you just getting a, a wealthy grazier to invest or anything like that? And, it was always difficult to get people to, to back you, but the biggest number of shareholders in DIT are everyday Australians from, from in inner cities, in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, regional town. They're just mums and dads, everyday Australians who are investing in the business. And I believe the reason why that is, 
is because everyday Australians realise the importance of food security. Everyday Australians know that agriculture is really important for Australia. They know we've got the best farmers in the world. We just need to connect the dots again and be all on the same page. No, I think you make some some good and interesting points there. And I find that's really interesting that a lot of your um, investors are from those urban areas. So was that a harder sell or, as you say, they just really at some gut level, they know that we're doing the right thing? I, I think that everyday Australians know how important food security is. I think, and, and COVID has probably brought that to the forefront in all of our minds. You know, these things on TV where we see shopping centres with no food on the shelves. All of a sudden, we've all realised how important food is and how important farming and water security. The other reason I think why we were successful, because I think we did a really good job at marketing. You know, we're, we're, we, we knew how to connect with those people and marketing is a really big part of our business, our storytelling and using social media and all these different platforms that we use in our business at DIT to promote our products, both um, to our customers, but also, you know, to raise more capital around the place. Now, going back to sort of the nuts and bolts of DIT, from what I understand, you're based in Toowoomba, but you're, you're expanding at a fairly rapid rate too, aren't you? We've opened eight new offices in the last 12 months. So we were, we started in Toowoomba here now. Um, we have offices in Victoria, Western Australia, through the Territory, Darwin and Catherine, Mount Isa. Um, we do all the R&D north of Richmond, where Will Harrington, our CTO, lives. And we're building all the tech in Townsville. And there was a reason why we went to Townsville to build the tech. We didn't want to be seen as a an ag tech business building tech for agriculture out of Melbourne or Sydney. We, uh, you know, I suppose I've spent 25 years of my life in the north and I wanted to... I wanted our business to be um, close to our customers and it was a great opportunity to build all the tech in Townsville. So we're really happy to think that we're putting, you know, we're employing software engineers, electronic engineers, telemetry engineers, and they're all based in Townsville in a regional area. Now, you obviously have a pretty amazing imagination. If you're thinking, you know, let's say 15, 20 years into the future, with all the ag tech that we have at the moment and that is coming onto the market, Ideally, what would you imagine the modern, large, broad-scale um, cattle property to look like? What kind of technology can they be using to streamline the process? Oh, I can I can see that there's a lot of things in in the beef industry that probably won't exist in 30 years. I think I think helicopter mustering will go. I think uh, fencing will go. I think virtual fencing and GPS ear tags. You know, that tech is well advanced. It's just how we monetize that opportunity. And I think a lot of people, for example, virtual fencing haven't worked out that virtual fencing isn't a tech play. It's a tech and it's an animal behavior play. So that's something I think will, will come to the industry sooner than later. It's something I'm passionate about, probably because I'm an old helicopter pilot and I, I know how much money grazing spend on helicopters and mustering and all those things. And that could be done digitally or, or with devices. I believe that um, value-based marketing, that you know, the meat processes are going towards a connection between our consumers and farmers, where there's complete visibility and food provenance from the graziers right through to someone eating a steak or even a hamburger in Argentina, if the meat came from Australia. They're all the things that are there. But more importantly, we've got to work out ways. We can talk about all the funky things and the best eating meat or whatever, but at the end of the day, we have to work out ways to produce more kilos of beef on our properties and we need to do it 
more sustainably, we need to look after the environment and we need to be continually enhancing animal welfare. How do we do that? Um, I, I don't know. They're really big problems. They're, they're really big problems and big challenges and big opportunities more than anything. When there's a problem like that, it presents huge opportunities for young innovators and entrepreneurs to solve those problems. And so there's a real space, you believe, then for more entrepreneurs in the rural side of things, which I guess hasn't really, they haven't been highlighted, I guess, is, is a, maybe a better way of saying that. In more recent times, like I think every industry has its innovators for sure, but what you're talking about takes a whole different level. Jane, I've, I've been asked this question. I've been maybe been a bit too vocal on my thoughts on that in time, but I think there's a fundamental problem with our capital structure in agriculture, especially in Australia. We don't have enough zero starters starting in our industry. It's very, very hard for someone to come into agriculture without any money starting from nothing and transform an industry. If you think about, and we got to look at our capital structure, besides farming families and those sort of people, there's, there's hardly any entrepreneurs in the bush. There's hardly any young people that are trying to change the industry, the, the, the big risk takers. You know, of course, when you're, when you're trying to do something that's completely different, there's huge risk. So usually those people who start with nothing have a different risk appetite to someone who might be, you know, fourth generation family farming. And there's nothing wrong with either. But it's so important to have innovators in our industries to make those big changes so that we can go in a completely pivot and go into a different direction. You know, the, you've only got to look at the Elon Musk or the Steve Jobs or all those sort of people that transform those industries. We need more of those sort of people in, in the beef industry or in agriculture. And I'm a, I'm a great believer that we should be looking at ballot blocks again. We should be finding ways for young people who love agriculture we lose them to the mining sectors and other industries. We need to keep them in the industry. We need to somehow get them into properties or get them into businesses so that we can really drive our industry forward. Well, I really hope that you can um, come up with a silver bullet solution to that one because I think there's certainly plenty of uh, big ideas out there that, as you say, just don't or can't or won't or whatever it is, take up the risk and put their hand up and have a go. And there's a reason for that too because in Australia we uh, – we're a bit adverse to failing, you know, and really the only way you learn in life is by failing and going forward. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable to fail and not get something right. We, we probably need to back some of those innovators um, and entrepreneurs in Australia more. It's one of the reasons why the US is such a strong economy that failures worn is like a badge of honour over there. Well, it's not really like that in Australia. So it puts a lot of people off from even having a go in this country. What an interesting um, observation. Now, we're here, we're here because of beef, and I, I am going to make a massive assumption and assume that you have been to uh, Beef Australia's Expo at some point. I have. It's fantastic. We'll be there again <laughs> next year. What are you looking forward to most? What's on your agenda for the week? Oh, I suppose what I'm looking forward to most, we were there three years ago when we were just sort of launching DIT three years ago. And to be able to meet up with a lot of producers and people who even I saw three years ago and they can see how far we've come and, um, you know, the relevance of what we're doing. Plus, I don't mind a beer after five o'clock either at the bar. Oh, well, you're only human. But what was the rollout like? Like, I guess, you know, as you say, three years ago, you were, you were getting out there and starting to sell the, the concept of DIT. What's the uptake been like? Um, well, it's been, it's been great, but I won't say it's easy. You know, it's, it's hard to get people to adopt technology in the bush. That's a, that's a hard slog. 
but we've found our early adopters and we've, we've found our, I suppose you could call our, our champions who we work really hard to over-service early and we've worked really hard to measure everything we do and collect as much data as we can and testimonials and um, all the things that you need in a business to, to back up what you're doing, that it's not snake oil, that what we're doing is does work and the tech works and that the innovation, the chemistry, we've got that right. So that'll be some of the things I look forward to beef is, you know, telling people how we have come a long way in three years. Okay, right. And the other thing that I've been asking everyone that's come onto this podcast is your favourite cut of beef. Um, not fancy dinner party, but what on a Tuesday night at the butcher, what are you getting to take home? Well, I don't know whether any of your other people you interview is going to say what I say, but there's nothing better than a fresh rib bone after a bush kill on a on a just on an open fire. That's my favourite, and I could never. I'd rather that any day than a beautiful piece of porterhouse or anything and a cold beer. Wow, that's a, that's a vivid, very specific there, Mark. I'll give you full points for that. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, and thanks for joining us on What's Your Beef. Thanks, Jane. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.